Hello and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light to your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm your host, Keandra. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach and I'm a survivor of an eating disorder. And in this podcast, we delve into the very insights and wisdom I used in my own recovery journey. If you haven't already, I invite you to join our community by hitting that follow button and leaving a rating. Every follow and every rating not only keeps this podcast alive, but it also extends our reach to more listeners worldwide, spreading the invaluable information that I share in this podcast. Your presence here matters and I genuinely appreciate every single one of you listening, so I hope you know that. So whether you're on the path to recovery, supporting someone on their own recovery journey, or just curious about this important topic, you're in the right place. So stay tuned for another empowering episode. Over to the show. Hello, my lovely ones. I hope we are all doing well. Um, Welcome back to the pod. I hope that this episode is insightful for you on your recovery journey. I'm going to dive right in because there's no point waffling. And I'm going to be talking today about the role of mechanical eating in eating disorder recovery. Now you might be thinking, Keandra, what is mechanical eating? And at its core, it's basically just a structure of eating. Now you might be thinking, does that mean that it's a set structure? Is it a maximum? Is it very controlled? No, but it means that it's a minimum that you might meet in your recovery journey. And mechanical eating was pivotal in my own recovery to ensure that I was eating enough. And whether you're in the early stages of recovery or supporting somebody who is, understanding mechanical eating can be a game changer and integrating it into your own recovery journey. So let me explain first and foremost, like I said, what is mechanical eating? Now, mechanical eating does sound a little bit clinical and a little bit strict, at first, but it's essentially about reintroducing structure and regularity into eating habits. Now, a lot of different recovery protocols do take mechanical eating um, as its kind of first step in recovery, but basically it means about regular eating. So ensuring that, you know, your meals and snacks are there. So for majority of people, it's about three meals and three snacks at regular intervals. A strategy often kind of used in the early stages of recovery from an eating disorder, all eating disorders, you know, it doesn't just have to be one of a restrictive type, all eating disorders, binge eating um, disorder recovery, anorexia recovery, you know, ARFID, um, the list goes on. All, you know, eating disorders actually can be helped with set meal times or at least structure there with minimum portions to ensure that the body receives nourishment it needs. Now, like I said, this is a minimum, not a maximum. I think a lot of people get caught up with mechanical eating, that it is a set structure, that they can't have any more. I think especially if you are recovering from a restrictive eating disorder, the abundance approach is a must. So very much thinking about, you know, honoring that hunger, honoring extreme hunger, etc. But, you know, one of the main things to ensure that you're eating enough is that you're having set times that you do eat. Now, mechanical eating, you know, helps in many ways, particularly in reestablishing a healthy relationship with food and your body. You know, these mechanical eating plans can be created by, you know, 
for instance, your local treatment team, you know, an, an eating disorder dietitian, a nutritionist, and, you know, is a really key part of restoring health. And if you need to, uh, weight restore um, to meet all your needs and to get regular hunger cues back. Mechanical eating includes, you know, time of day when meals and snacks will be had. So for instance, you know, are you spacing it out at certain times? You know, mechanical eating is different for everyone. So for instance, you know, you might be an individual that likes to wake up late and have a late lunch, or you might, you know, start the day very early and therefore your eating patterns will be a bit different. However, you have a somewhat time of the day where meals and snacks will be had, you know, what's the frequency of meals and snacks? What's the quantity of food to be eaten at a minimum and the types of food? You know, mechanical eating is there to be a non-negotiable structure. um, And therefore, it's probably going to challenge the eating disorder voice because it's going against what the eating disorder probably has as its rules, that you eat certain amounts at certain times and not at others. And, you know, to bring that structure in can be really, really challenging. But you know, it's really important to maintain this structure during the initial stages of recovery because it's the act of doing that's important. The act of eating is really important at certain times to rewire your brain. You know, for instance, like I said before, the concept of intuitive eating is is impossible for somebody in eating disorder recovery because what is intuition if your normal is so disordered? Structure in recovery isn't about restrictions at all. It's about creating a safe space for healing. It's about making peace with food one meal at a time. And mechanical eating ensures that despite what that eating disorder voice suggests, you're giving your body what it needs to repair and strengthen. You know, it helps us to know that we're actually eating enough and keeps us nourished, even if like the eating disorder voice is really, really, really strong. Now, as mentioned, you know, some people who are in recovery from um, a restrictive eating disorder of any kind will experience either hypermetabolism, and I've spoken about that in a previous episode with Priya too, the eating disorder dietitian, but other people will experience extreme hunger. And even if this happens, energy needs will be, you know, are extremely high. So your mechanical eating plan is even more crucial. But again, it's a minimum, not a maximum. And when you have an eating disorder, you have a, you know, a starved body, you have a starved brain. And, you know, it's impossible to know, you know, as an individual, know how much you actually need to eat when these um, real aversions to food are there, those real strong mental shifts. And that's why that structure is critical during the initial stages. So you actually start to re-nourish your brain. You know, if you think about it this way, you know, the brain uses 20% of all of our daily needs at minimum. And if you're not getting enough nutrition, of course, your thought processes are going to be skewed and, you know, you're not going to know what normal is. You know, you look at the Minnesota starvation experiment, you know, obviously I know that this has, you know, limitations because it's uh, fully male subjects, but we can draw, draw upon the fact that, you know, a group of quote unquote healthy men you know, were reduced, their intake was reduced and they started having cognitions of those with the restrictive eating disorder. It's a catch-22. So implementing structure gives you that nourishment that you need at regular intervals. I think, you know, as well, when we think about, you know, structured eating, a lot of people say, okay, how do I implement that into my daily life? And again, implementing 
you know, mechanical eating is going to look different for everyone because we all have different lives. And that's why, you know, it all starts with a plan. So working with a coach like myself in one-on-one coaching, you know, or an eating disorder dietitian or a therapist or a team, you'll help to develop a meal structure that suits your body's needs. So specific to you and also how it will fit in your life. I think it's wrong to say that, you know, one plan would fit everyone. Obviously, by nature, I am very much an advocate of three meals and three snacks, but everyone is very, very different. And also some people work shift patterns, etc. But this plan co-created can include what to eat at minimum, when to eat and, you know, and, and what a minimum portion should be. So it takes a lot of the guesswork out of meal times and reduces some of the anxiety around decisions and food. Because that's another thing that those often with recovery in in eating disorder recovery found hard is making food decisions or indecision. And that is an episode I'll do for another another day is actually how to how to manage decision making in food choices and eating disorder recovery. But here are a few things that you know helped me in in my recovery. Because if I reflect on my own journey, I remember at the start how overwhelming it was to make decisions about when to eat, what to eat, etc. And for me, mechanical eating provided this blueprint, a way to navigate, you know, my recovery without getting lost in a sea of thoughts that my eating disorder just stirred up. So my tips would be preparation. So it is this is key. You know, you need to have somewhat of an idea of what you are going to eat next, you know, or at least what you're going to eat in the day. Because oftentimes if you have no idea, it can feel so overwhelming and you don't have anything. That being said, when I suffered with extreme hunger, I just ate what I want when I want. And that is what I want you to get to is, you know, just because a snack is there, you know, you maybe you've thought, oh, I'm going to have this, but you don't feel like, you know, you don't feel like it anymore. You f- feel like something else. That is okay. But it is it serves a place for when things get really hard and you just don't know what to have. So have an idea of what you're going to have. So for instance, you know, in the later stages of my mechanical eating, it was very much like a snack includes two food groups. Now, to some degree, I had an idea of what those different food groups could be. So for instance, I used to write a list of like four different columns of like carbohydrate sources or protein sources, um, fruits, et cetera. And I used to pick from like two to three columns to make a snack. Now, again, that's structure, but not structure. So again, that kind of preparation mindset, like I said, these are, these are things which allow for flexibility and that's a really important part to get to, but this is really, in my perspective, what happens in the early stages of recovery. I think another thing to remember as well is consistency over perfection. It's not about eating perfectly. And that's another thing when it comes to decision-making, you know, there is no such thing as the perfect meal plan. There's no such thing as the perfect structure, but it's about consistently providing your body with nutrition. And that could mean that you have a preference for certain food type for a while. And that's okay. You know, it might be that you co-create a plan with your dietitian or coach that is, you know, has, has means that you have a food version and we're working in food, fear foods, etc. but it's consistently challenging these things and consistently doing it, making the choice day in, day out to follow that structure. But it can't be perfect because life isn't perfect. And we'll realize that recovery in life is about messy imperfection that is beautiful. And lastly, another tip with it is with consistency comes, you know, actually 
using digital tools. So either having, you know, alarms on your phone or reminders or using a digital planner, knowing kind of what time frame are you aiming to have that meal? Because it can really help as being that kind of additional reminder that you need when things get really, really tough. Lastly, mindfulness, you know, try to be present during your meals, you know, focus on the meal itself and the moment and the memories, you know, breathe, you know, take a deep breath, pause, know that you're going to be all right. You know, it's about rebuilding a positive relationship with eating that isn't driven around rules and rigidity. Like I said, it's kind of tongue in cheek because, you know, mechanical eating is is somewhat of a, a structure and maybe is quite rigid and it might feel counterintuitive, but you know, like any recovery process, mechanical eating comes with its challenges, but can be useful and is useful. Feeling mechanical or robotic in your eating does seem very counterintuitive, but the key to remind yourself that this structure is temporary. This is a temporary fix and necessary for healing. You know, as you progress, you'll gradually be able to reintroduce flexibility and intuitive eating practices, reminding yourself that this is kind of not going to happen overnight you know people always ask me like how long does mechanical eating last or how long did it last for you now my view on intuitive eating is there's is somewhat of a structure but you're intuitive intuitive with those choices you know you've got to think about you know if you're working in an office environment most people have lunch at a similar time most people have an elevenses most people have snacks and a dinner to go home to so there is structure there you don't just throw the baby out with a bathwater and say i'll oh, just eat what i want when i want Yes, that's true to some degree, but there will be a minimum there. And I think that's really important. But that kind of mechanical rigidity will not be there forever, hopefully. Again, for some people, they want that. So to answer your question or to answer the question is mechanical eating in recovery can last anywhere from three months to two years or beyond two to five years to, you know, longer. You know, for some people, they use mechanical eating until their period comes back and beyond. You know, if that was lost to begin with, again, not everyone loses their period or is a man. And so, you know, or or, or identifies as another gender. So we can't just use the period as, as, as gospel here. But, you know, for instance, if that is something that can be a good starting point, you know, and the length of time that mechanical eating will last will be down to a lot of different factors. So, you know, are you, if you need to restore weight, you know, that's something to keep into consideration, you know, your compliance with everyone around you, you know, have you got hypermetabolism? Like, are you really struggling with that eating disorder voice? Are you not able to kind of make food decisions? Have you challenged food fears? Like I said, no matter kind of what your situation is, mechanical eating is an important point. And no matter like how long you have to do it, will be important to let go of your eating disorder because the end goal is intuitive eating. You know, there is a point beyond mechanical eating and mechanical eating is not the destination in recovery. It's part of your journey. So as you move forward, you'll start to notice your body's signals coming back online, hunger cues, fullness, cravings. So for me, like I still eat a very similar kind of structure. Like I have at minimum three meals and three snacks. That's because my body sends me those signals. You might be completely different. It might feel very alien to have such a, a regular pattern of eating. And, th- and that's okay. I would say most people after recovery still have snacks. I think that's really important because you don't want to go back to old 
patterns of restriction and let that kind of anorexia response take over your brain. However, you know, we're all very different, you know, but, but no, noticing cravings and hunger cues and fullness coming back is a sign of healing. And, you know, it's a beacon of hope in your recovery journey that actually I'm not the unicorn, I'm not broken. And it's really, really important. You know, if we think about intuitive eating versus mechanical eating, you know, intuitive eating is, like I said, is not, not appropriate for somebody who's just started recovery. Um, I suppose the only exception could be if somebody is struggling with an eating disorder such as binge eating recovery. But again, not entirely my view. I think structure is really important to get somebody back into that pattern of eating because who knows what caused that binge eating disorder. Obviously, it's a combination, but it could be due to restriction or, you know, calorie banking to the night or et cetera, et cetera. So for most people, you know, intuitive eating is not appropriate at the start. But intuitive eating, if we think about it, is all about trusting your body, getting rid of those food rules that, you know, the eating disorder has created and, and food fears, etc. And, you know, if you're introduced back into intuitive eating too fast, you can likely translate it back into, you know, for instance, restriction, restriction or another compensatory behavior. You know, early on in your journey is not a point for, you know, using your intuition because your intuition is probably not appropriate or right. I've had kind of a listener question in about mechanical eating. I thought I'd tie it into this episode. And a lot of people ask, you know, will I ever enjoy food again? Or how do I transition into intuitive eating? I suppose my answer to that is yes. Hopefully you will find joy in eating again. But that transition takes time and patience. It's it's about gradually learning to trust your body and its cues more. Like I said, there is no time frame. Mechanical eating is something that's temporary. You know, intuitive eating allows you to have, you know, a balanced approach to what you need. I think intuitive eating comes down to really knowing that your body is healed and that you can trust it because a lot of the time you might be feeling overly full or really, really hungry in early stages of recovery and beyond and not know what intuition is because your hormones are not balanced, your digestion is not balanced, like you're not at a place where your body is healthy. So until that place is there, it's really hard to be intuitive, but you know, you will find joy in eating again and you will be able to listen to your key cues and what your body actually needs. It's, it's a process and, you know, you don't have to do it alone. You know, it it can be really hard to deal with because you have to be, you know, maybe you feel like you don't have any control over what you're doing, but if you are struggling with the first steps of recovery or you're stuck, you know, know that, Number one, there's resources out there that can support you. You know, there's my Instagram, there's this podcast, there's other amazing podcasts and books. But also I would really recommend working with a professional who can help you create that kind of first steps towards mechanical eating in your recovery. So either that being with me on -on one-on-one coaching, um, I will be having a few spaces opening up soon. So if you are interested, you can just reach out and book a free discovery call and the links will be in the bio, or you can reach out to an eating disorder dietitian. You know, hopefully you're working with a treatment team. You know, there are a lot of resources out there that can offer you guidance of how to start this journey alone. But as always, if you're able to try and seek some support, 
it's so important to know that you have, you know, hope out there and it's, it's going to be, you know, you're going to get there because you will get there, but it is really important to know that you are not the unicorn. You know, you do need structured eating. You do need nourishment regularly to help, you know, make peace with yourself and your body. So I hope you found this, you know, chat today useful. Um, and I want you to, I want you to be left with a message of hope. You know, recovery is a journey filled with all these small steps each meal, each moment of choosing recovery, but it's a step towards freedom. And mechanical eating is just one of those tools in your to- toolbox to help you rebuild and help you flourish. It might not be right for you, but it's right for most. So try and bear that in mind if you're starting a recovery journey or you're supporting someone. So again, thank you so much for joining me today on the Recover to Flourish podcast. If you do have any time, please you know, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or rating me on Spotify um, or any other podcast platform. I know there's hundreds and hundreds these days, but it helps me do what I do. But, you know, thank you again. Your courage is inspiring and it inspires me to do the work I do every day. So until next time, remember you're not alone. We're walking this together um, where food is a friend, not an enemy. Take care, my loves.